Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. How are you guys doing? Us, we always start off with <laughs> pretty decent, yeah. Um, nothing much. Are you too good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's been all right. I've been uh, home learning this week. Back to school next week should be pretty chill. How about you, Dan? Good, good, good. Yes, very good. And Wales at the moment. But yeah, very good. Now let's get into the football and news. Now, there has been a massive signing this week and it's not on a player basis, it's on a manager basis and it is Pep Guardiola. He has signed a new contract with Manchester City that will keep him at the club until 2023. What are our thoughts on this one, guys? I don't know if he's the right man for the job anymore. After the last couple of seasons... Uh, they just seem to have dropped off and I'm not sure if that's his fault or if uh, it's just losing company. But the fact that he hasn't seen that losing company has made him so bad and he's tried to, he hasn't really tried to replace him. I don't know. I'm just not sure if he's quite the best man for the job anymore. Yeah, fair enough. What about you, Alex? Uh, well, I mean, I think he came in at the start just to help them uh, to win the Champions League. And I think it's been how many years now? Four or five? And he still hasn't done what he, he set out to do when he first signed for Man City. And, I, and he has had all of that money. And there, I think there is plenty of other managers, like younger managers with slightly more fresh tactics that maybe could have come in for them. But I think it'd be good for them to just have him for like a few more years and then try and find a, a different manager to try and propel them even higher. Yeah, definitely. I think 2023 is about the right year, I would say, because it's not too long and it's quite short. Yeah, he's been there four years and he's won, what is it, two Premier Leagues? Three Premier Leagues? Two, yeah. two Premier Leagues. Uh, FA Cup, Community Shield, you know, all of that. So he has done quite a bit, um, but it's just whether he can keep that momentum and win them the Champions League, obviously, that will make them into a big club. But... Yeah, he has a good record, but he doesn't seem to have the momentum anymore. Yeah. Do you reckon they'll win anything in the next three years under him? I think they'll win something, like um, FA Cup or something, but I don't think they'll win the Champions League. Maybe before 2023, but I'm not, I don't think they'll win it them next year or the year after. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they're always one of the favourites and then they just go out like really... Um, like, like, like no one expects them to go out when they do and then it's just like the same over and over again and I can't see that changing anytime soon so yeah, they'll probably no, win a few trophies but I doubt the Champions League they don't this, no matter how well they do in the Premiership they just don't seem to perform as well as they should in the Champions League no fair enough now is well, a fellow player that he used to manage Lionel Messi has had this to say this week. Um, I'm a little tired of always being the problem for it all at Barca. Now, this is a very strong coming from a Barcelona player, and it's Messi as well, so a high-profile player. Pep wants him to stay. He said that this week. Alex, what do you think Barca can do to make him stay at the club? Well, I mean, we, we've said it on previous uh, podcasts that he, he needs to stop acting like he's the main player at Barcelona and I think he, he as he still is, but I think he's kind of admitted to the situation that he is always seen as the problem at Barcelona when I don't really think he is. 
Like he's probably the best player in the world for most people. And um, just because he's the best player in the world playing for Barcelona, he's always surrounded by any controversy coming out of the club. But um, I think Barca need to like kind of stop making everything involved around him and just try and like leave it to the other people. Maybe bring in some higher quality players as well. That's definitely one thing they need to 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 work on because they have let go of some of some of the best players that they've ever had. Luis Suarez, they just let him go for what was it like two million to Atletico Madrid. Now it's just now. ludicrous. Like yeah, it's it's just stupid and yeah, I think I think it's down to Messi as well. He kind of needs to um, bring down his his sort of being in the public eye all the time. But it's also mainly down to Barca. So if they can control that, then it'll be much better for both parties. What do you think, Joe? Dan? Oh. um, What do you think? Yeah, he, he always seems to be the one who's like, like stepping forward and saying something. It's not even like he's being blamed, but he, he's the only one who actually says something about the problems at the club. And I know that's because of their ridiculously good track record uh, in the p- past 15 years, but um, he, he seems to be the only one who's actually like calling them out on what they're doing wrong. And yeah, it, yeah, I do think sometimes he is a little childish, but it's fair enough that he's always seen as the problem or whatever. So, Ronald Koeman, if you're in his position at the moment, what would you do? Because you've got Messi, who's sort of getting done at the moment, like off the field, especially with the press. You've got Pedri, who looks a very good player at Barca. Amongst a couple of other decent players, who what players would you bring in? If you had to bring three players in to change that Barcelona team, who would you bring in? I'd bring I'd in bring some in... more young talent. Yeah, I'd get Sancho in, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they look like they, they could do with an attack on winger like that. I'd probably bring in another striker because I don't think Griezmann uh, can really hack it up front on his own. Uh, maybe try and get uh, Martinez from Inter Milan or something like that. And then probably another centre back, in my opinion, because PK is just like going down and down. So I don't, I don't know who's centre back though, but I think they need one. Yeah, you said about young talent, Joe. Do you reckon that's the way to go? Yeah, I think so. I think they need to, um, like, sort of prolong this momentum that Messi has brought with him, because obviously they just win year after year after year after year. It's their job to keep that after Messi does retire. And yep. Messi Messi can't be relied on once he's retired anymore. So they do need to try and secure their future. Yeah, fair enough. Um, now, Trent Alexander-Arnold is injured at the moment, but he said this week um, that when he faced the Dharma Traore, it's like he's not human. The way he can change direction and go, I've never felt so powerless against someone. Now, this is Trent, who's arguably, most definitely, probably the best right-back at the moment in world football. Uh, what do we think about this comment from him? Well, there's, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to see that I, I obviously wouldn't like to, to defend against him. And I don't think, uh, like, Trent coming out and saying it just, um, yeah, it just, no one would probably want to defend against him at all. And if he can, like, play to his strength, which... He already kind of does, but I think he could become like a much, much better player if he did play to his strength more uh, than he could become a, a world-class winger. But he just has to 
bring you up that next level, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't face the dark. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, what are you saying? I think he's ridiculously fast. And just, like, the way he changes direction, um, obviously, that's what Trent said, but, like, he just seems to make it past anyone, and there's not much you can do against him. And if Wolves play to that slightly more... Not rely on him, but if they do play on that um, sort of play style, I, I think they could go further than they've ever had before. I reckon I could pocket him. <laughs> get that organised. We'll get that organised for you, Alex. Yeah, one day. Yeah. One day. <laughs> <laughs> now, the international break has ended, but we'll, we'll review it now. And England had a bit of a shaky, shaky time to start off with. Um, Gareth Southgate came out this week praising Jack Grealish, which is a, which is a massive first for him. Saying, "I thought he had an abs, and I thought he had an outstanding game. I just thought he was outstanding. He should be absolutely delighted with the way that he played. I mean, he played very good. And considering we lost that game, I think he was the star player. Would you not agree, Joe? Well, yeah, I've been saying for weeks that he's the creative talent in the midfield for England. Um, and it just seems like finally Southgate's actually seen it. Um, because Jack is passionate and he will play as well as he can for like whoever he's playing for. <laughs> it's been too yeah. long that he hasn't Alex. been praised. Yeah, Alex. definitely. Alex, you, you watched the game, didn't you? Um, what yeah, did you yeah. think of him? Do you think he played well? Considering it was him and Mount, uh, both in the midfield. Well, against Belgium, I thought he was the only uh, player that was like trying to get forward and trying to make a forward pass, uh, which was which was very good for him. I could obviously, like, obviously he needs to be starting ahead of Mount. Um, personally, I didn't like them two in the middle. I much preferred um, when Grealish played on his own, and then even when Mount played on his own, he was much better than when he was aside Grealish. But um, yeah, overall, I just think Grealish needs to be playing much more. I definitely put. Um, some wingers on instead of the attacking fullbacks. I'm not really a fan of that, but yeah, Jack Grealish was definitely the standout for me against Belgium and probably against Wales too. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, there has been comparisons, not just this year, but uh, last year as well, with Jack Grealish and Paul Gascoigne. And this is what I had to say about it. I love the way he played football with all the freedom and joy. I want to entertain people, but I always want to be effective on the pitch like Gazza was too. Now, I can see where people mean because he plays with that style, which he doesn't really care and he expresses himself quite well. Um, w- would you say that they are very similar? Yeah. I mean, both uh, look like very, like, they didn't really care what anyone thought of them while they were playing. And yeah, if he can, if he can keep that type of mindset, I think he'll go very far. Because that, that's the type of mindset that uh, managers these days are looking for. So. Yeah, um, he doesn't seem to have been affected by like anything that's been thrown on him. Even after he was punched, he came out and like completely destroyed Birmingham. Um, and yeah, I just think that he, him and uh, Gascoigne were just really good playmakers and I think they've got very similar styles yeah I mean if them two in a midfield that would be absolutely crazy I yeah. don't think they would pass to each other there. that's the problem um, 
So going on to the next international game, and, and I don't think anybody saw this coming, to be fair. Um, Spain beat Germany 6-0 with a hat-trick from Manchester City's Ferran Torres. Wow. <laughs> what a shock. 70% possession to Spain, 30% possession, I think it is, to Germany. I mean, I watched the highlights, and it seemed a very entertaining game for the Spain half, Alex. Yeah, I mean, uh, the stats really taught us it all. Like, 23 shots to Spain and only two for Germany. When have you seen that before? Yeah, for, for a long while. Uh, I 23 mean, played... shots is nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Germany played the likes of Nabry up front, and he still couldn't do anything. I mean, Spain's defence recently has been a bit lacklustre, and they still managed to keep a clean sheet and score six goals. Uh, Ferran Torres had probably the game of his life. Uh, scoring three and then yeah it was just a mixture of Germany defensive errors and then them not being very good on the attack either so it was just a recipe for disaster for them but a a massive win for Spain yeah I mean I saw the highlights like I said before I saw the highlights and the commentators actually said that uh, Germany tried to press them high up the pitch but then obviously Spain being Spain passed through the press managed to yeah. get a number of goals that we've seen here. Um, I think Ferran Torres, do you, reckon, do you reckon people are saying he's a bargain, which I, I think he is a bargain, don't get me wrong, but do you, do you reckon he's that next big thing? Um, he could be if he keeps working for it, but uh, he doesn't look like that. Like your Sancho's. He doesn't have that same, same type of playing style. I mean, he's going to be a very good striker and, I, and he can play on the wing, obviously, as well. But to, to, in order to become like the next big thing, he needs to, to work much harder. And he's still got plenty of years left in him. So. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Do you reckon Farron Torres could be the next big winger? Next big thing? Uh, yeah, three goals against Germany. And Germany's a very good side. I think he's just shown his class there. Um, and he's co- contributed a lot to the shots and the possession there. So I just think he's really helped tra- uh, Spain to control the pitch, basically. Because yeah, they have completely controlled enough. it. With 23 shots and 70% possession to Germany's two shots and 30% possession, they've completely destroyed them and um, controlled the pitch completely. Yeah. Um, so after this loss, it ended up going to the manager, of course, as it always does. And his time up for Joachim Lowe, basically. Uh, it's Germany's heaviest defeat in 90 years. Is it time for him to go? I mean, he's won a World Cup. I think that's the only thing that he's managed to win with them. Um, I mean, World Cup's still amazing, don't get me wrong. But do you reckon it is, is time to go? His tactics seem a bit outdated to me. What do you think, Alex? Well, I mean, they've, they've got one of, if not the best squad uh, in the world, uh, like, and one of the youngest as well um, at the moment. So if they can get another manager in, then I think they could do much better. Um, but he has he has won a World Cup and not many managers can say they've done that. So in my opinion, he should go down as a legend, uh, if not like a very, very good manager for Germany because like barely any countries have won a World Cup, let alone uh, be the manager that, that's won it. So... He should he should be getting more respect than he than he is currently, but I think Germany uh, are in need of a, a managerial change at the moment. 
Yeah. Um, I think I think he's won two World Cups. I'm not too sure. I think he has won two, though. I he might have, yeah. I'm not too sure. Uh, don't mark my words, though. But who would you bring in? Would you bring in, like, a Nagelsmann who has got experience? Or do you reckon he wouldn't go to an international side? Um... I'm not really sure. You see um, a lot of international teams bringing in like former former players like Gareth Southgate, obviously, uh, to come in and manage them. So I wouldn't be surprised if like we, we see like a Michael Ballack come in, another Germany legend, and, and maybe do a good job there. But we'll have to see. Yeah, will be interesting. Uh, now let's go on to some women's football. And it was the Manchester derby this weekend, which did result in a 2 all draw. But... Before the game, I was really happy about this. Um, Tobin Heath, the American who came over in the summer, had to say this about the game that was happening at the weekend. I love learning about the history. We were taught that Manchester is red, like nobody goes to Man City games, which is very true. I feel like City, because they're this modern global team uh, in the United States, we think they're a really big club. But here in Manchester, it's not a big club. Now, that is the passion that I want in my club. (laughs) I don't want anything less than that. That is brilliant. And she ended up scoring a banger on the day. Uh, but yeah, bring her in the men's team. She'll probably she'll probably do better than most of them anyway. But yeah, you want to see that passion, don't you? Well, yeah, especially because she's American. Like, City is so big and um, obviously you are richer than them at the moment. But City is huge and pretty global. And that's how they know about them in the States. Okay, yeah, that's how they know about them in the States. I think it's great that she's learned so much about Manchester and Manchester's culture uh, when she's come over. What about you, Alex? Oh, yeah, it's just um, good that that like United women are bringing over players and actually teaching them about uh, the history of the club and stuff like that because I know 20, 30 years ago they wouldn't have done anything like that. Um, but now just like we can see how much the... Uh, the women's games like currently progressing and it's just uh, really healthy to see and hopefully they can bring in some more players as well uh, that can maybe develop and learn more about the club as well so hopefully we'll, we'll see women's football thriving in England so well, even the banter like she's been taught that, no, that Manchester's red and nobody goes to City games they're not facts she's been joking around with people in the change rooms and uh, I, I haven't really seen that in women's sport ever before and probably argue that they are facts but oh <laughs> they are definitely facts uh, but yeah that's what I want to see more like that doesn't happen in the men's game really um, but yeah I just want to see that more in football in general I think we've been a bit soft lately but yeah hopefully it gets back to that stage um, staying with Manchester United now and Cristiano Ronaldo as always has been mentioned uh, to come back to Manchester United, do you think it is the time? Because people are saying that this is the most credible thing that's come out in a number of years about Cristiano Ronaldo. No. Every other week, there's something about him coming back to United. I doubt he's coming back now. I mean, why now even? Because huh? you're in crisis. crisis. But he's been yeah. at um, Juve, what, two years now? I, I just don't see why now is the time. Well, uh, I think he went to Juventus to to try and win the Champions League, and I think Juventus have a, a better chance of winning the Champions League than the Manchester United. So I can't really see why he go. I mean, if he doesn't go now, it's probably 
the the last year that Manchester United will probably won him because what what is he like thirty six after that? Thirty five, yeah. thirty six, yeah. Yeah, and I I can't see United spending like I think they'll want like fifty million because he is a, still like a great player, but I can't see them spending that much on a on a thirty six year old. But where do things have happened? So yeah, it's twenty twenty. Anything can happen, I suppose. Um, do you reckon like if if say if Ronaldo did come? Um, where do you reckon he would fit in the team? Because you've got, I know you've got Greenwood, of course. I know you've got Greenwood. But if you if we do bring in Sancho, right? This is a massive world here that we're not going to exist. But anyway, if. we have Sancho on the right, Rashford on the left, and Martial up top. Where are you putting Ronaldo? Literally well, anywhere. He's more passionate than any of the players on your pitch. But technical wise, where would you put him? Striker. Probably Instead a striker or a winger. Yeah. Who would you swap? Who would you have to swap? Martial. 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 I think Rashford's too good at the moment. And if you brought in Sancho, um, you'd you'd want him on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Right. So there's been a bit of a shock in the football world. I mean, it is 2020, like I said before, weird things have happened. But this has got to be the weirdest thing I've ever seen in football. Deadpool, also known as Ryan Reynolds, and Rob McClaney, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Rob McElhenney. That name. Named owners of Wrexham AFC. Um, now, <laughs> I didn't see this one coming. I mean, we saw it coming in like months of news, but apparently this has been going on for eight years uh, and 98.6% of the members have been voting in favour of the takeover. Uh, I think it's good for the Wrexham area. Uh, do you reckon they could go up to a League Two standard? Probably, if they if they invest enough money into it, then there's no reason why they can't. And with with backing like that, and like all the publicity they're going to get from this, and they're they're more than likely to. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like people will go to Wrexham just to watch a game because they've been like, oh, I've been to the club that Ryan Reynolds is, um, that Ryan Reynolds owns. I mean, those pair themselves are hilarious. They're free advertising. And it's just going to bring a lot of people. And with that, a lot of money. But have you seen Ryan Reynolds? But, like, he did up a fan's house or something. A disabled fan's house. Oh, yeah. Was it that Rob guy? It might have been both of them. It was, like, 6K that they spent or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they spent, like, six or nine pounds, like, thousand pounds doing up this guy's house. Yeah. Uh which was great um, because I think he was disabled as well. So Yeah, he was. I think he had a wheelchair. Even more special. Yeah. Um, but my, my question is to you, what do you think about this? Because this happened with Salford City, didn't it? Uh, with the class of 92 taking over. And a lot of people were happy, but then you had some of the hardcore fans that took a bit more time for them to get on board. Would you say this is a very similar situation because they're sort of a celebrity-like owners? Alex, are you going first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. And, um, well, I mean, I, I haven't heard Wrexham are like we're in financial insecurity or anything. But if like the fans get to know like how much like money and advertising this is actually bringing into the club, then I don't think they can like actually feel sad about it. Like I know the Salford fans are a bit like. But this is our club, and now it's just like turned into a massive advertising thing and all that. 
But at the end of the day, like we we never know like what for what what football clubs like every day we're hearing about different football clubs maybe going under because of financial insecurity. And I think Wrexham need to be to be glad that they've actually got a takeover before anything like that happens. So I'd be very happy if I was a Wrexham fan. But uh, yeah, I've, I've I don't really know much about Wrexham. And they could be a a very I, I don't know. Um, I just think it's cool how, because um, I think they're both Canadian. I know Ryan Reynolds is. I think Rob is too. They're both Canadian. I just think it's cool how they're that invested in English football. Because they could have bought yeah. an American or a Canadian side because that's closer to home for them. But they came yeah. over to England to hopefully invest in the culture. Unless they've done it just because why not? Yeah, I, I know it was over a tweet or something. It was one of Ryan Reynolds' friends uh, that he knows from England, I think. She put a tweet out or something talking about Wrexham eight years ago, this was, <laughs> about uh, saying about him to buy it and stuff. And then, well, we're here now. So I think that's all how it started by a tweet, which is absolutely mad. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is mad. Do you reckon, well, Wrexham, I don't know. Because I think they're, they're happy about national. it. It says a ninety-eight point six percent of the members voted in favour of them taking over. So I think that's most people happy with it because the members on the board and that they will represent the fans' like opinions. So I think most yeah. fans would be pretty pleased with this takeover. Do you reckon it'll be like a Glazer situation where they'll just live in a living Canada or America, wherever, and they won't come over and they'll come come over like every five years or so, but they'll let other people do the jobs like your Edward Woods, who would be at Wrexham? I mean, I hope not, but it is a possibility seeing as they are like living so far away and it's not, it, I don't know if it's that big of a, a like, a thing for them because they probably invested I don't know like I'm guessing like at least three hundred thousand dollars or pounds or whatever they've done it in uh, into Wrexham and for that I'd be going over like every week to watch them play but yeah you never know I hope it's not though because you've seen like I think it was Leighton Orient I watched a thing on them and their owners like the owner of Dunkin Donuts and Summit and he either watches the games on TV or comes over and the, I, I think the fans like really look up to him and I hope something like that happens so no um so Ryan Reynolds I, I don't know much about Rob but Ryan Reynolds made his own gin company and that was he, he turned that into a very successful business and he recently sold it for like 30 million and it was the highest grossing gin company out of all the celebrities like side jobs and side businesses so I think he's dedicated enough to put the effort in with this club. Yeah. Well, I, I, like you said, Alex, I hope they do, um, because that's what the Wrexham fans will want, but time will tell. Um, if 2020 couldn't get any weirder, Mario Balotelli is, is a free agent and he's inquired about Barnsley. I mean, do you reckon this will actually happen? I mean, he's been at City, Liverpool. Uh, he's at Brasheca now. I think that's how you say it. Um, and now he's going to go to League One, I believe, or Championship Barnsley. Barnsley. What, what do we think? Barnsley have ba- Balotelli used to be huge. What happened? Well, he started setting fireworks off in his low. That's what mm. happened. 
<laughs> all went downhill from there, I'm telling you. So, well, do you reckon he will go? I, I, I kind of hope he does because, again, it'll be a, a big publicity thing for Barnsley if they can like get Mario Balotelli to, to walk onto the pitch wearing a, a Barnsley shirt. But, um, yeah. It's not a bib, though. Well, hey! Oh. Uh, yeah, if Balotelli goes, that'll, that'll just be insane. I get a shirt. I'll get a Barnsley shirt. If you yeah, don't. with Balotelli on the back, just to commemorate yeah. the day. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Um, now, staying with Barnsley in the EFL, well, not with Barnsley, we'll stay with the EFL. Um, they're now allowing teams to have five substitutions from this Friday onwards. Now, the Premier League, Premier League haven't done this yet, but the EFL, so League One, League Two, Championship have decided, is this the right move? Because we debated that it should be down to three. As a review, would you say now is the best time to go? We'll change it back to five. I mean, we've seen already this season teams are struggling with injuries and uh, five substitutes on that basis seems um, like pretty, like you, you could probably start doing it. Um, I mean, first the five substitutes were, were to do with COVID, but now they're like, I think every team at least has got three uh, three people injured at least now. So... Like if they do it now, I wouldn't be too surprised if they did do it. But uh, personally, I probably wouldn't start doing it now. But well, it's just the amount of players going off injured because the amount of games they're playing every week. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a good thing to bring it on, but it's a ballsy move. The game they're trying on. It's a co- they're doing it on Coventry versus Birmingham, and that's a big game. Like um. It's not quite a derby, but it is. They are very close together, and it's a big game for them. So it's a ballsy move to try it then. Yeah, uh, I think they have to start at some start point date, and obviously they've pinned this one as soon as possible, I presume. Um, so that's when they're starting. But do you not think the Premier League should introduce it because the Champions League and Europa League are? We've seen it with Liverpool. They've got five defenders out at the moment, all top world class, and this weekend coming. The, against Leicester, they're gonna to have to start like three youth players, two youth players. Do you reckon that? Do you reckon that is a good example of showing that we need to bring it back to five in the prem? I think so. I think five subs will have prevented. If they had five subs that they could bring on, it would have prevented a lot of their defensive injuries because they can rotate the players if they're getting tired, just yeah. that bit more. Um. So I think if they'd brought it in slightly earlier when they realised how many games some of the players would be playing. Because obviously they have Nationals and then uh, Champions League, Europa League, um, stuff like that, yeah. I think it would have helped a bit earlier, but I do think it will definitely help teams recover from all the injuries they've got. It does slow down the game quite a lot, though. That's one of the negatives, so... Yeah, yeah, it can be a bit more tactical, can't it, to slow down the pace if you're um, ahead by a couple of goals. Yeah. But I think I think with December coming up especially, you've got a lot of games that are playing in all different types of composite competitions. Like This is the bigger, busiest month for Premier League especially. And I think you have to do it before then, otherwise you could see a team, another team like Liverpool losing a ton of players. That will... Just having no defence and getting destroyed by everyone. Yeah, basically that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope the Premier League do do come down and do something about it. 
Um, now, Salah and Al Nene, both Egyptian, uh, have tested positive for COVID 19 again. So, Salah will miss the game against Leicester this weekend, uh, as well as Al Nene will miss the game for Arsenal this weekend as well. Um, David Beckham, Alex, got some news about him, haven't we? Uh, he, yeah. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, the FIFA 21 one. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, David Beckham has returned to the cover of FIFA for the first time in 23 years. Um, you can do the maths. I can't remember. I think it was 97, is it 98? 98. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 23 years. Um, I mean, he's still on the cover of FIFA. I think uh, a lot of people are getting a free David Beckham as well if you got FIFA. So, yeah, in December. Look forward to that. 75 pace on his card, though. Not too happy about that. Rapid. I think he was a bit quicker than that back in the day. Um, Just a bit. Me, at least an 80, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, for all your FIFA fans out there. But why are they bringing him on the cover now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because he's been on Pez, hasn't he? He's, he signed oh, a deal yeah. with Pez. Yeah, but he's not playing. No, but this is for, like, um, an icon card. Oh, just publicity, sort of. basically. So it's, like, older players. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, basically. Um, now, Northern Ireland have been relegated after Norway were unable to travel because I presume it was postponed. Uh, I don't know why it was. <laughs> I don't know. Wait. Because it was postponed because Norway were prevented from travelling because Omar Abdullah I think that's how I say it. Uh, tested positive for coronavirus. So, yeah, all of you Northern Irish fans out there, my heart goes out to you. Sorry about that. Um, now, Calvin Phillips has got a memorial, uh, I think that is, or, yeah, not on a memorial, sorry. A, a picture painted. I don't know what's going on today. Uh, a wall <laughs> of, on a wall in Leeds. Uh, we saw it with Marcelo Bielsa. Um, he's now got a road named after him. Do we think this is the time for Calvin Phillips to get this on the wall? I mean, what's he had? Two England caps? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, he, I mean, he, he's captain Leeds, doesn't he, uh, in a few games last season. And obviously they, they, uh, they won the championship. So, yeah, he has been a, a very good player for them. But to get a mural like in, in, in Leeds, I think you have to do a bit more than just play CDM for them for a few seasons. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean it's nice for him still. I'd like. I him think a... it's on side. It's on the side of the river as well, so it's a high traffic area. I, th- I think the, one of the reasons why is because he is like from Yorkshire, born and bred. I'm pretty sure he's from Leeds as well, specifically. Uh, so that could be another factor why it's played into it, and they wouldn't put I don't know someone else like it, like Hernandez or something like that. Um, but yeah. That's uh, some news on Leeds. Uh, England goalkeepers and goalkeeping coach uh, paid tribute to the late uh, Ray Clements this week. Uh, before the game, I believe it was Iceland, I think, um, which was very good from them. Uh, and then David Kute, or Kute uh, switched out as the VAR official, um, or has been taken off duty for the Leicester v Liverpool game uh, on Sunday. Uh, do They've taken him out because he's made some bad decisions. I mean, it's not said that, but do you reckon that could play in as a factor? Because they don't say who's made the bad decision. 
Well, probably that's the only thing I can I can really see someone like getting kicked out of the VAR role for. Um, but yeah, it could be other reasons like personal issues. But yeah, we, we probably will never know. But that's the most likely outcome. Right. So Mikel Arteta this week has come out and said this about a possible bust up. At, uh, training this week. He said training is very competitive and issues happen a lot of the times. Those things get resolved immediately within the team and there's no much prob- not much to say. There is no problem at all. This is after a bust up between uh, David Luiz and Danny Ceballos. Now, Sounds like do you reckon the Arsenal camp is a bit shaken at the moment? Yeah, it does sound like there's a problem. And do you reckon Ozil, the factor of Ozil not playing and him coming out on social media plays a big factor in it as well? There seems to be so much going on in Arsenal training. I don't see what the issue is. Is Ozil coming out and like chatting a load of waffle on media, and then he's just had a, a pretty much a possible scrap in training. It just seems too much is going on for him to be mar- managing them effectively off the pitch. Because it's his job to control yeah. tempers and everything off the pitch. He should be the one going, you're right, mate, and explaining everything that's going on and keeping the tempers low between the players. Yeah, well, I think it was the first day of the season, I think, when Arsenal played Fulham. There was sort of a bust-up and an incident between Maitland-Niles, I think it was, and Danny Ceballos. So Spice has been involved in two now. Alex, what do you think the problem is at Arsenal at the moment? Well... I think it's a bit like a bit of unrest, seeing as they haven't had the best uh, performances so far this season. They've had some great performances, but uh, it also might be down to that. But it also might be down to like Sabaz's character. You never know. We don't know much about him, but seeing as he's been involved in in two fights, well, not fights, but bust ups already, then it could be down to, like somewhat down to down to him. But yeah, obviously we don't know, and hopefully Arteta kind of resolve what's going on sometime soon because they probably need it before the Premier League starts again. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so there are two big games happening this weekend in the Premier League as it is returning. Uh, Spurs versus Manchester City at the Tottenham Hotspur Ooh. Stadium at half five on Saturday and also Liverpool versus Leicester is a 7.15 uh, on Sunday. What are our score predictions going into the first two games of well, not first two games. Other oh, two big games this weekend. Going with the Spurs and Man City one first. Uh, oh, I mean, a lot of City players have been on very good form in the international duty. I think Diaz has scored. <laughs> the centre back scored two goals in one game, which is a a bit of a madness. And then obviously Ferran Torres getting his hat trick and Rodrigo. Uh, yeah, Rodrigo getting um a goal in that game as well. So uh, I'm probably gonna go. 2-0 for Manchester City. I'm going to stick with Alex and go 2-0 because um, City players, especially in the international year, have all been doing very well. And I think City are kind of coming into themselves a bit this season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that one all will help against Liverpool. I know they didn't play amazing, but the second half they played quite well. So I think that plays a big factor into the momentum, especially. Uh, but Spurs, you never know with Spurs. I mean, they have been on form. Everybody keeps forgetting that. Son and Kane are an absolute force at the moment. You couldn't beat us. Um, so I'm going to go... F- no, I know, but that was the first day, wasn't it? Uh, I'm going to go 3-2 to City. I think it'll be a very interesting game. 
Um, now going on to Liverpool-Leicester game. What are our score predictions for that, starting with Alex again? Uh, 4-0 Leicester. Okay, nice. <laughs> can you, can you um, give us your reasoning for that? Uh, I think yeah, it's going to be 4-0 Leicester. Okay. I think Leicester will win, though, to be fair, because of Liverpool's defence. Um, they haven't been, like, awful so far. Uh, we, we saw him when they'd only lost uh, Van Dijk, but now with the majority of their backline missing, I think they're really going to struggle. I think Leicester will win 2-1. I don't think they'll stop them scoring, but I think they will come out on top just because of the lack of defence. And they don't have Salah either. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just a bit of Jota though, haven't they? Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. He's terrible. <laughs> um, I, think, I think we'll see a very different Liverpool side. We will not see them very high pressing, I don't think, because back four will have to press up high. I don't think we'll see the high line. I think it will be, be a very contrasting team to the team that won last year, uh, the Premier League anyway. Um, so I, th- I think Liverpool might go a bit deep and try and counter-attack with the pace that they've got. Mane, Jota, I would say Firmino is not that quick though. Um, uh, so yeah, those type of players. Um, but yeah, I think Leicester will get the business done, uh, and I'm going to go two one. But I don't think we'll be very, uh, very high scoring one. Sort of it's three, but yeah. I'll go seven. Um, seven two. Now. Now. <laughs> seven, two. Imagine that <laughs> another seven two. <laughs> that would be crazy. Um, now the last bit that we're going to mention about today is fans back in sports venues in England by December. Now Boris Johnson has said this is his, his personal priority to get fans back in stadiums. Firstly, do we believe that he can get this right, and do we think we can? Do he? Do we think he can get it done? Um, I, I think it's mainly down to how they can get the vaccine out. Um, I know that. Most reports are saying they have got it, and if they can get it like to people around the UK as quick as possible, then I can maybe see them doing it before December. But yeah, I think it's all down to that. Um, and if it's not, I think he's going to have to do something like I know they were going to test out the uh, like 14,000 in Old Trafford or something like that. And I think that to start off with would be a good idea. So, so let's be honest, they're probably not going to have a vaccine. Um, widely distributed around the country before the end of this year. It might happen, but I highly doubt it. I think if they're bringing fans back, it won't be full until definitely the later stages of next season, unless they can guarantee that it'll be safe with this vaccine. But they're limiting how many people you're allowed in a home for the Christmas meal. They're actually talking about reducing the size of turkeys so you can't have too many people eating at the Christmas table. So I highly doubt they'll have many fans in before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw this thing the other week, uh, last week I think it was, or this week, that they're at, they've got a number of vaccines going around at the moment. So we found out that 90% one the other week um, that everybody got really hyped about. Um, and then there's this other one that's coming in that the government are thinking about paying to as well or something like that. Uh, so there, there are different vaccines in different situations that everyone has to consider. But yeah, well, I, I'm going to stick with Joe. I don't think we'll get them in by December. I've seen a lot of memes about this and it just seems a bit stupid how one week there's a 90% um, like there's a vaccine that comes out with 90% success rate 
and literally three days after or something, there's one that's saying, oh, mine's 94.5%. The next one's just going to come out and say, oh, we're 95% now. And everyone's wondering, I want that. Yeah. It's just, but, I, I don't think yeah. some of it's true. I think it's just a misconception in the media. I mean, if we do get this 90% vaccine, uh, I think, I mean, it's like the flu, isn't it? It's like, you've always got a 10%, 5% chance of getting it. And that'll be the same with this. So I think that has to play a massive role as well, especially. Well, they're also talking about it be, there being two strains of it. So, yes, if you're exposed to one strain, it might be 90% effective. But if, they, if you're exposed to a different strain, does the vaccine still work for that strain of the virus? I think there's a lot of yeah. uh, accountabilities that they just haven't taken into consideration yet. So everyone is getting excited for a 90% successful vaccine. But I, I just don't think it's... Uh, far enough in to get our hopes up. Yeah. All right, fair enough. That's a bit of science for you at the end and a bit of politics for you. Um, but yeah, that's bye from me. And me. And me. Thanks for watching.